Wednesday night I'm going to be finishing up the series on angels and I'm going to be talking about the activity of angels today and I'll be sharing my own testimony as well so don't miss Wednesday night last Wednesday night we all had to turn around and go home we were in a storm baby I'm taught Kathy I told Kathy going down 35 you got to turn around right about then we got a call that we lost all of our power and very few people were making it to church and they just kind of prayed a little bit and went home but I'm glad to see all of you here safe and sound welcome to Texas where it's never boring <laughs> all right I want to talk to you today on the subject life's not fair but God is good life's not fair but God is good I'm gonna to read to you some verses from two Bible characters who experienced some incredible unfairnesses of life. Uh, in Ruth 1, we're diving right into where Naomi, who has now lost her husband and two sons to death, is headed back to Jerusalem with Ruth, <clears throat> the Moabitess. Ruth has refused to turn around and go home. So now it says in verse 18, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, and I'm moving this fan. There we go. When she saw that she was determined, that is Ruth, to go with her, she stopped speaking to her, trying to persuade her not to go. Verse 19, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. Ruth they had never seen, and Naomi they knew from years before. So the women said, is this Naomi? But she snapped back at them. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Naomi meaning pleasant. Mara meaning bitter. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Then she tells why. Verse 21, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me pleasant? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Boy, she gave them what for. Now turn to Genesis 37 and verse 28. And we're going to read one verse and we're done. Genesis 37, 28. This is Joseph. And I'm sort of bringing you right into the middle of the betrayal of his brothers when they sold him away. Let's read it. Verse 28, Genesis 37. It says, then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers of Joseph pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit, sold him to Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, sold him into slavery. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. And I pray for people going through difficulties where it really does seem that life isn't fair. Lord, help us to see the other side that you're for us. And if you're for us, who can be against us? In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better listen. You're going to need this. <laughs> now, here are two examples of people who had plans for themselves. I've always liked the saying, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Life is what happens while you're making other plans. 
And here's two examples of people who had been making other plans for themselves, who fully expected life to go a certain way. They expected life to go a certain direction. Now, I'm going to surmise that Naomi, being a normal woman, expected to reach old age with her husband, Elimelech, and her two sons. She envisioned bouncing her grandchildren on her knees, having photo albums filled with Kodak moments, just like any woman. I'm going to reach a ripe old age and with a happy family and the white picket fence and spot running around in the front yard barking, and then I'm going to die and go to heaven and be with God. But you know what? None of that happened. None of the things that she expected happened. Life took an unexpected detour when her husband and two sons died like dominoes right in a row, one after the other, leaving her daughters-in-law childless and her with no foreseeable future at all. Now keep that in mind because life is what happened with Naomi while she was making other plans. Then you have Joseph. No doubt he had plans for his life. He was a normal Jewish young man. I fully believe he expected to live and work next to his father, Jacob. He was Jacob's favorite son by his mother, Rachel. He would meet one day a beautiful Jewish girl. They'd have beautiful Jewish children, live to be a ripe old age in the land of Canaan, the promised land, and die and go to be with the God of his fathers. None of that happened. Just like with Naomi, none of this happened with Joseph. Joseph was instead betrayed by his brothers in one of the greatest and most poignant betrayals in the history of the world. He was sold as a slave into Egypt, spent at least two years in prison for something he did not do, lived his life out in Egypt with an Egyptian sun-worshiping wife. Did you know that? Now you do. He married a sun worshiper. She was Egyptian, and her whole family had been raised that way. Not what he thought he'd wind up with, though he loved her. And rather than the quiet life of a rural shepherd, he became the CEO of the mightiest nation on earth, second only to Pharaoh in all the land of Egypt. Joseph said, do it, and it was done. And when he went through the streets, any Egyptian bowed to him. Not what he had in mind. Life took a detour. And church, I'm going to tell you something. Life's not fair, but God is good. And we will always live with those two truths juxtaposed against each other. Life will not be fair often. But at the same time, I've learned, and I want to preach the devil out of your mind today. I've learned that while life is not fair, the child of God has got something going for him that the others do not have. God bless them. That's why I want to see the whole world saved. Because right next to life not being fair, God is good. Life's not fair. That's a fact. There are people in Kansas today looking up and saying, how, why? I lost my house, lost my loved one lost my children, lost my whole life, lost my income. Life's not fair. What's happening here, God? And what I want us to always remember, if you take nothing out of this service today other than this, I can always expect the goodness of God in the midst of tragedy. I can always expect the goodness of God. (laughs) 
if, if we had approached Naomi or Joseph in the first half of their life, they'd have said this, life's not fair. I know they would have said it because Naomi said it. Don't call me pleasant. Don't even insult me by calling me pleasant because that's not the truth. Let me tell you the truth. Call me bitter for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly, bitterly with me. God has turned his back on me. Life has not been fair. Joseph told the chief butler and baker who were thrown into prison with him right before they got released, Joseph said, for indeed, I was stolen away from my homeland. And also I have done nothing wrong. I'm in here having done nothing wrong. I'm in a dungeon and I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And yet I'm in this terrible dungeon. Please tell me about, or tell Pharaoh about me. Please remember me when you face him again. Life hasn't been fair. You can hear him saying it. And they forgot him anyway. Life continued for a season to not be fair. Broken dreams, failed expectations, shattered hopes are hard to handle. You thought it was going to go that way and it went that way. You thought somebody was going to be here and now they're there. You thought this or this or that or the other was going to happen and they have not happened. You even thought God told you. And it hadn't happened that way. Scripture says that disappointed hope makes the heart sick. You're hoping, you're dreaming, you're naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, grabbing it. You're convinced something's coming and it doesn't come or it doesn't happen the way you thought it would. And failed expectations wash over you like a flood, like a tsunami. But Joseph and Naomi would soon find out that disappointed hopes may actually be a heavenly detour in disguise. I'm going to say that again because I know this is true. When you're a child of God, you've got something operating in your life that others do not have. If God be for us, who can be against us? You've got somebody batting for you, and he doesn't lose. He pitches perfect games. God is never checkmated by the devil. You've got God working on your behalf. So I'm going to say it again. When you're a child of God and you're yielded to him, disappointed hopes may actually be a heavenly detour in disguise. Failed expectations may be making way for God's better plan. Rather than the end of the world, it might be the beginning of a brand new one. See, I believe in miracles because I believe in God. And I believe that God is always working on my behalf. Joseph and Naomi never got to read what I'm about to read to you. But if they could have heard what I'm about to read to you, I believe they would have said, Amen. Somebody wrote, last night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me, the other belonged to the Lord. Two sets of prints. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of prints. 
This really troubled me. So I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't get it. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, you would leave me. The Lord replied in the dream, my precious child, I love you. I would never leave you. During your times of suffering, Joseph, during your times of suffering, Naomi, during your times of suffering, Christian believer, during your times of suffering, Sally and Sue and Bill and Dan, during your times of suffering, Mark and Tim, when you could see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. I want to tell you today, church, amen, give him praise. It was then that I carried you. Can I tell you today, God is carrying you. You may feel like you're surrounded by nothing but evil. You may feel like your world is crashing in around you, like there is no future and no hope. But I'm here to tell you, there is a God greater than your problems, greater than your circumstances, greater than the devil, greater than the people who are attacking you. There is a mighty God, and He is carrying you. He's carrying you. When you least sense him, when it seems like he's far away, when it seems like your, hair, your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back your way, the heavens are brass, the clouds are dark. When it seems like God's a million miles away, that's when he's holding you in his nail-scarred hands and carrying you, and there's only one set of prints. He knows you can't take another step on your own. He knows you've had it. That's why he's picked you up, and by grace, he's going to get you where you need to be. He is a mighty God. <clears throat> Joseph and Naomi both realized this truth in the second half of their experience with God. In the first half, get this, Joseph's testimony was, my brothers sold me into Egypt. But in the second half, we find him saying, God sent me into Egypt. What are you talking about, Joseph? Are you crazy? We know they sold you. We read about it in the Bible. He says, ah, but I understand now. I get it now. My God is sovereign. He is mighty. He is providential. He overrules the affairs of men. What God or what the devil meant for evil, what men meant for evil, my God meant it for good. He's going to work through this on my behalf and get me into his plan for my life. Thank God. In the first half, Naomi testified that life was bitter and God has turned his back on her. But in the second half, she held a beautiful grandchild in her hands and testified that Ruth was better to her. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, was better to her than seven sons. What happened to that woman? What happened to Joseph? Did they go crazy? No. They realized that God was working on their behalf. He was carrying them. He was taking even the evil intended for them and making it serve his good purposes. They knew that life was not fair, but when you're a child of God, there's another truth standing right next to that, but God, but God. And when you got a but God, you've got a lot, but God is good. But God is good. 
and his goodness was always working for their good. Now, I see that they learn three things, and I want to share them with you. Here's what Joseph and Naomi and every person that has ever given their lives over to God has learned. First one, God's plan is bigger than life's disappointments. God's plan is bigger than life's disappointments. Do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? If you don't believe that, then you don't believe in the God of the Bible. God's plan is bigger than life's disappointments because life will disappoint. Life is not fair. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but fear not. I have overcome the world. And right next to life's unfairnesses, the goodness of God is always working on your behalf. I've learned. I've learned to get my eyes off the disappointments and turn my gaze to the goodness of God. I've learned a long time ago thunder follows lightning. When I see lightning, I know the thunder's about to roll. So every time I see lightning, I wait for the thunder. When I see trouble coming my way, I'm waiting for the goodness of God. Because where there is trouble, there is the goodness of God. Listen to this. Moreover, Paul wrote my favorite verse, one of them, Romans 8, 28. Moreover, we know that to those who love God, who are called according to his plan, everything that happens, that's a lot of things, everything that happens, disappointments, disillusionment, hurts, shatterings, heartbreaks, financial trouble, everything that happens. Can you say that with me? Everything that happens. Notice Paul isn't telling us everything that happens to a believer is going to be good, but he says everything that does happen fits into a pattern for good. Why? Because God is overseeing every detail of your life. I read this week where Jesus said, not even a sparrow falls to the ground, but your Father in heaven does not see it. But you are of way more value than the sparrows. Amen. And so, if a sparrow falling to the ground catches the eye of God, then when you go through your troubles, don't you know he'll send an angel your way? Don't you know he'll send the Holy Spirit to strengthen you? Don't you know that he's not going to let you go through it alone? Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the word through presupposes that I have begun and I'm going to go through to another end. I'm going to come out on the other side. So I'm going through the valley. I'm not pitching tent in the valley. I'm not building a house in the valley. I'm going through the valley and I'm going through it because of God. I love what Paul said, where sin abounds, grace much more. I love that phrase, much more. Grace much more abounds. I've learned when I go through trouble to watch out for the much more. I thank God for that little phrase, much more, where troubles, shattering, heartache, disappointment abound. When it seems like from every side it's coming at me, then I know I can look for the much more because God will always outdo anything the enemy. Is anybody hearing me today? I want you to get this today. You say, well, you seem kind of excited. I am excited about this. I want you to know God's on your side.
So when I go through trouble, I look for the much more. Here comes much more grace. Here comes much more favor. Here comes much more strength. Here comes much more wisdom. Here comes much more mercy. Here comes much more forgiveness. Here comes much more Holy Ghost power. Here comes much more. Can you say with me, much more? Grace abounds toward the struggling Christian. Much more. God is able to take the failures and the disappointments and the heartbreaks of life and make them serve his plan for us. Psalms 138.8 promises, the Lord's going to perfect what concerns you. He's going to perfect his purpose for your life. So the first thing they learned is God's plan is bigger than life's disappointments. The second thing they learned is God's plan is better than ours. Don't miss this one. God's plan is better than anything you could imagine. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart and the imagination of mankind. The things that God has prepared for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I noticed with Joseph that the Joseph of the first half envisioned a quiet pastoral life of shepherding in the promised land of Canaan right next to daddy Jacob a life of peace not complicated a life of ease wealth privilege but Joseph could never have cooked up in his wildest dreams what God had in mind if you had given him 10 years and said Joseph write an incredible story about your life he would have never come up with what God had that the mightiest nation on earth would be at his command? You have got to be kidding me. That he would single-handedly save Egypt from starvation? You can't mean it. How could that be? That along with his own family, he would save the Hebrew family destined to bring forth the Messiah into the world, that he would be the one raised up by God to save them from starvation, that his life would smack and sparkle with purpose like that? Who could have ever imagined? God. What did Shakespeare say about the best laid plans of mice and men? On your best day, with your imagination at its height, you cannot come up with what God has for you. Naomi would never have dreamed, oh, this is so powerful. Naomi would never have dreamed as she buried Elimelech buried her two sons, looked around her two daughters-in-law, barren, one of them going back to her gods and to her home, only Ruth staying with her. As she went back to Jerusalem empty-handed and ashamed, feeling like God had turned on her, this woman would never have imagined in the first half that she would be instrumental in bringing her widowed Moabitess daughter-in-law back to Jerusalem where she would meet and marry the great great-grandfather of King David, Boaz. That she would hold in her arms and nurse Boaz's son, Obed, King David's grandfather. That she would play a key role in the lineage that would bring forth Messiah. Could she have ever come up with that? Never. God had a plan. And his plan was better than hers. And God's got a plan for you. 
and it's better than yours. So sometimes when our best laid plans go awry, it's a heavenly detour. And you got to give God time. And if you give him time, he'll lead you and he'll guide you. He'll never fail you, never forsake you. If you give him time and don't give up, give him time and trust him. Give him time. You'll find that though life's not fair, God is good. I hear your wheels rolling. Some of them are rusty wheels. Some of them are well-oiled. You're wondering, what about me? Are you a child of God? Then the God who flung the stars into space has your life in the hollow of his hand. The third thing they learn, God's plan triumphs in the end. You know, you're reading a good novel. You get in the middle of a good novel, and all you see is a bunch of people about whom you wonder what's, what's going to happen to them. Who's going to end up with who? Who's going to end up dead? Who's going to end up in jail? Who's going to end up successful? Who's going to end up exposed? Who's going to end up good? Who's going to end up bad? Nobody in the middle of the novel shuts it and puts it down. You want to go to the end to see what happened to so-and-so and and where so-and-so ended up and who ended up with so-and-so and who got married and who didn't and on and on it goes, don't you? You want closure. You know, the Bible says you've got to give God time with your life. You can't say in the middle of the book called your life, well, God has turned his back on me like Naomi. God is not doing what he promised. So I'm done with this Christianity thing. I believe I'll go become a Buddhist and hug a tree and hang up Christianity. Don't close the book, friend. There is a God you don't see working behind the scene in ways you don't know. You've got to give God. Is anybody, I think I'm preaching to somebody today. I didn't come today to be religious. I came to preach the Word. And I want you to understand this. You've got to give God time. Listen to what James wrote about Job. Job is an example of a man who continued to trust the Lord in sorrow. Even his wife said, good grief, curse God and die. He said, you're crazy, woman. Most of the time, a wife's advice is good. Kathy has never told me to curse God and die. If she did, I'd say, you're crazy, woman. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That was his heart. And then James goes on and says, from his experiences, we can see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good. For he is full of tenderness and mercy. See, there was an end to God's plan. And Job hung around till the end of the book. And he got twice given back to him what had been taken away. Twice the blessing. Do you know that God sees the unfairnesses of life that have happened to you? He knows what they did. He knows what they said about you. He knows how you were mistreated. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, watching constantly, 24-7, the good and the evil. 
He sees what was done to you. Vengeance is his. He knows your situation. He sees your tears. He hears your cries. He even saved up your tears in a vial, the book of Revelation says. And one day he will open it, and the fragrance of those tears will reach the nostrils of God, and God will bring ultimate justice to the earth. He takes all of these negative things, the unfairnesses, and he makes them part of the knitting needles out of which he weaves the tapestry of your life. W. Robertson Nicole. W. Robertson Nicole was born with weak lungs, but he was born with a love for books and a love for God, and especially a love for God's Word, and he wanted to be a pastor. And he finally got a church, and he began pastoring the church, but his lungs were so weak he couldn't preach. And you read about his life and you find that the doctor finally said to him, if you keep on doing that, it's going to kill you. You're going to have to step down. But this is what I want to do. This is what I've always envisioned myself doing. But I got to step down. He was confined to his bed all of his life. They never let the fireplace in his room go out. And all day and all night, his little kitty cats would purr over in the corner and he was this isolated individual. And as he began to pray and look at the unfairness of this, I want to preach, but I can't. I want to pastor, but I don't have any lungs. Short breaths are my lot. So he said, one thing I can do, I love books. I'm going to write. He wound up publishing the Expositor's Bible, 50 volumes. The Expositor's Greek New Testament, which may not mean much to you, but over and over again I've used it. Invaluable to preachers around the globe. He himself authored 40 books. He became the most prolific and respected Christian journalist in the English-speaking world. Confined to his bed, couldn't breathe. Life's not fair. What do I do? The goodness of God touched him. And he became a literary genius. And the world's been blessed because of it. I'm telling you, life will give you unfairnesses. It's not that it happens. It's what you do with them. How you respond to them. When life gives you an unfairness, you're just an attitude away. You're just an attitude away. You can get a bitter attitude and say, life's not fair. Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Or you can be like Joseph. I see it now. What, God, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And God has trumped this evil. God is never checkmated by the devil. When you experience an unfairness, Isaiah has something to say to you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I've called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Fear not, for I am with you. I will make a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins any longer. Rejoice, because if God is for you, who can be against you? Can we stand up together? Now, I want you to say something with me because I know that there are people in this place struggling greatly with circumstances. How many of you have ever said, this isn't fair. <laughs> Say with me, God's plan is bigger than life's disappointments. Believe it. God's plan is better than our own. Embrace it. God's plan triumphs in the end. Expect it. Amen. Praise God. You know, I was telling uh, the first service, this isn't something I just preach. Um, I've lived this. Every square inch of it. Most of you know that Kathy and I went through a terrible time. It was just a nightmare for about three years. Um, people that we had worked with turned on us. Uh, we were treated very viciously. And, but more than that, failure and all kinds of things that we used to wake up and say, it's over. It's over. And uh, there was a time there where I just thought, I'm going to move. Just move away. But God spoke to me. And I'm not saying that lightly. God in that still small voice, one morning, sitting on my patio with my Bible and my Matthews Henry commentary, spoke to me and said, preach, and don't be afraid of any man. You do what you've always done, and you give all of this to me. And this is what he said, watch how my providence works. Give me time. If you had asked me four years ago, three years ago, uh, what do you think of life? I'd have said, man, this isn't fair. That's what I would have said. But you know what I found out? I see all of you. I see the building we're headed towards. And I say, but God is good. Not because I'm special. No, no, no. The only thing he redeemed from me was the call he had on my life. And woe is unto me if I don't preach. But this is the deal, folks. It couldn't have looked darker for me. It couldn't have. There were people who expected me to kill myself. They told me this later. Never thought about that. I would never entertain it. But they did. If they'd have been me, 
But I've learned. You give it to God no matter how it looks. You say, okay, God, here you go. And God said, give me time. Now I've watched as every week goes by, something else is restored, renewed. Here I am, get a call one day. You want to go back on the radio? Sure. Same time, same place? Sure. People started calling and coming back, getting restored. And you know what I know? It's going to be better than before. I know that. I know that. I'm geared up for it. I'm preparing for it.